Welcome to episode 43 of Blind Guy Talks Tech for Tuesday the 8th of March. I am excited because an Apple event is about to take place, but that's not what we're talking about today. Oh, no, no. We are talking today all about social media. Why makes us all so angry all the time? Welcome to Blind Guy Talks Tech with your host, that blind guy himself, it's Stephen Scott. Yeah, we'll have a full review of the Apple event coming up on tomorrow's podcast, so make sure you stick around for episode 44 and check that out when it lands in your podcast app or in your smart speaker. But no, today we are going to talk all about social media and why it makes us all so angry. Because it does, doesn't it? All the time you go onto social media, it's almost as if it's programmed to give you a negative response or make you just feel angry as a result of being on there. Why is that? Well, today to help us answer some of these questions, I'm joined by a special guest, broadcaster and journalist Fern Lullum. She has taken part in uh, BBC Radio 4's In Touch many a time. She is also and now an audio describer as well. Fantastic. Can use there. We'll talk more about that later. And uh, also... She uh, works with me alongside uh, many others, uh, some great people at Accessible Media Inc. in Canada. Uh, Ferna, it's great to have you here on Blind Guy Talks Tech. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me, Stephen. It's a pleasure. It is. A, listen, it's a pleasure for me because we finally get a chance to meet. We have actually worked at the same place <laughs> for many years. Uh, in fact, two places now. Uh, with yes. AMI in Canada, with RNIB in the UK, with uh, other projects. We've actually always been kind of around, but we've never met. This is the first time. Absolutely. It's an exciting day, and I'm so thrilled to finally get the chance to talk to you. Oh, you're very kind, honestly. If I believed a word of it, no. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, listen, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about social media because I know you did a spot with uh, Kelly and co over on AMI, and uh, you were talking about this documentary that David Bedeal did on social media. And I watched this documentary with the usual kind of feeling that when you watch these documentaries, you get the impression it's going to tell you how terrible the tech is and how it's taking over our lives and all these things that we've kind of heard over and over again. But it didn't. It wasn't about that. It was all about the real impact that social media is having on people. Uh, And it started off, and I won't go into too much detail on the documentary, just in case people haven't watched it yet. I strongly encourage you to do so. If you're in the UK, it's on iPlayer brilliantly audio described as well so you know you can catch up with it but just a really interesting story about social media and the impact i know you watched the documentary as well what did you think about the real impact of social media prior to that documentary did it inform your thoughts i think i sort of had the suspicion that those things were going on and then the documentary just confirmed a lot of it and i suppose eloquently put into words what I maybe couldn't, but had sort of had that feeling that that was probably the case. Because what we're talking about here is where lives are impacted. Um, And without giving too much away, it starts off with a a family who were basically, their their lives were torn apart when their home uh, was destroyed by fire. The car was actually set on fire, and then the home was set on fire. Children were inside. Thankfully, everyone got out and everyone was safe in the end. But, you know, this was all because this guy had decided to go on to, was it Instagram or TikTok or one of these platforms? TikTok, right. And had gone on to TikTok and had started creating videos. And from what I understand, fairly innocuous videos didn't really have any impact. But people got jealous. People got annoyed. People got upset that they were doing this and they were clearly 
making money out of it. I have to be honest, I still don't really understand how that happens. Um, I don't get that. But, you know, the fact that it was going on um, was was annoying people to the extent they wanted to cause this person physical harm. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a really worrying place. Now, we could obviously talk about that impact and, and examples of that that go on all around the world today, uh, and it still happens. But I want to kind of bring the the, the the disability part into this because I don't think that disabled people are using these platforms to be in, intentionally angry at each other. But <laughs> anger does tend to come out. Advocacy, as is often where it starts, <laughs> is where people advocate for issues. And what's happened is, and this isn't a disability thing, this is a, an everybody thing in my view, is that people are now starting to get into this mentality of groupthink, where we all think this, and if you come along with a different opinion, then you're cast out. We don't want anything to do with you. You're cancelled. Yes. Uh, are you seeing this online more and more? Is it just me? <laughs> no, I absolutely am, Stephen. It is. It does seem to be everywhere. And I think one of the reasons for that, which is something that was brought up in the documentary, is essentially the more outrageous you are the more attention and engagement you get. And this isn't necessarily a new idea. You know, we've seen this in the press for years. You've got to have a hard-hitting headline that makes everyone go, hang on a minute, I need to see what this is all about. And that is essentially the same principle which is now happening on social media to where if people say things that are really shocking, that really provoke people's emotions, those are the things that are getting the most engagement, which the social media companies love because that's what they're all about. And so that's the things that we're getting fed. So it looks like it's everywhere and it looks like it's across the board and everyone that we see is doing it, but actually it's just the few people that we're being shown because that's what the social media algorithms and threads are feeding us, I think. And, you know, I think a lot of disability advocates in particular don't intend to go out and do that. I don't actually think they're hell-bent on going out there and causing a war amongst other people or starting a war or starting a fight, but it does seem to happen. Um, Is that just because the algorithm puts the content in front of you that is going to make you angry? Is that how it works, essentially, That, that it just feeds you essentially that anger that people seem to crave? Yes, it seems to be. And I watched a video about this where they were talking about an American study that showed that tweets with moral emotional words in, so things that really get you all fired up, um, they perform 20% better. You're more, you're 20% more likely to retweet tweets with those kind of words in than you would any other tweet. And therefore, of course, like I say, the, the social media companies want that engagement. And so that is what that what you're getting fed on your news feeds. And that's why we're seeing these shocking, outrageous, what you know, things with very provo- provocative language in, because that's what we're being fed, because that's what works. That's what works on the screen. If people aren't retweeting it, if people aren't sharing it and liking it, who cares, really? Well, yeah, I mean, this, this is the worry for me in some ways. I I'm very keen here on this podcast to promote positive advocacy. You know, let's not shout at people. Let's talk to people. Let's have a a conversation. Is it possible, (laughs) do you think, to have a nuanced conversation on social media? 
a civilized chit chat, yeah. just like what we're doing. Just like here. we're doing here, yeah. I <laughs> well, I would like to think so. I mean, I guess the difference is you can delete your tweet if you don't like it. But here, once we've said it, that's it. It's out there. It's forever, you know. Mm. <laughs> um, so I'm being very careful about what I say, Stephen. But I, <laughs> I, I think that it, for a minute, Fern. Come on. <laughs> I think it is possible. To, I mean, what we have to remember is. Social media is just merely a tool and we are people who are using that tool. And I think we need to take back the responsibility for how we're using that tool, what we're saying, how we're going about it. And like you, I'm not somebody who will never call anything out if I don't think it's right. But there is a certain way of doing that that means that you come across in a different way. You, you don't just come across as somebody who only will talk about the negative and who only will see the outrage and the anger in things. You can be nuanced. I think, like I say, though, the, the difficulty with that is if you're in it for the likes and the follows, you're less likely to do it in that nuanced way because that's just not simply what works on social media. But I think you can do that. But it's just you've got to be in it for because this is the right thing and I believe in it and I'm not going to cop out rather than I'm doing this because I want all of the engagement. You said something interesting there. You said we said a lot of the interesting things I should say, but thank you. you. <laughs> but one <laughs> thing, <laughs> but one thing you said that was really interesting was, and I know you were kind of joking, but you said you know I'm, I'm watching what I'm saying because it's recorded here. It's interesting on social media how we are probably more careful. Certainly, I feel this. I am more careful about what I retweet. I am more careful about what I say. Um, and it's not necessarily because I have views that are abhorrent in any way, <laughs> but it's just that, you know, what is abhorrent 10 years ago that we're now deciding is, you know, enough to get you cancelled? Yes. Who knows what that's going to be in 10 years' time, right? So you're almost second-guessing yourself. Whenever I send a tweet, I am second-guessing myself every single time. Do you do that? I think, yeah, I think you do have to because not only, even if you're saying the nicest thing, the thing about having it written in such a short, you know, short form way is that it can be taken out of context. It can be twisted. People can see things in different ways. And that makes it very, like you say, worrying because I, and I'm always second guessing myself just in general, in normal life. I'm one of those people that can't even send an email without reading it through to, you know, five different people and making sure that it, all the commas are in the right places. But yeah, social media, absolutely. You just think, oh God, am I saying something here that somebody is going to be deeply offended by either now or yeah, like you say, years in the future. I mean, we're both famous celebrities, Stephen, people could come at us. <laughs> well, you can speak for yourself. I, I can't possibly <laughs> comment on that. Um, but, you know, I, I'm one of these people. I, I grew up, I don't, I don't want to ask how old you are, Fern. I would never do that. But, you know, I'm, I'm 40 uh, this right. year. And, you know, I didn't grow up with social media. I didn't grow up with any of this stuff. Uh, and I tend to look at it as a bit of a joke. I still, to this day, even look at it as a bit of a joke. I'm still amazed that people quote tweets and talk about Twitter as if it's the most important thing in the world. I even laugh when I hear the phrase historical tweets. I think, I'm old enough to remember before Twitter. What does that mean? Me a dinosaur? Um, <laughs> but, you know, the fact is that it, to me, it just doesn't seem that serious. But how how serious is social media? How much does it really matter in the real world? I think it does have a big impact. And I think part of that is that, you know, we are we have that kind of view of 
I can't say that I've been deeply upset or angered or some emotion has come to me because I've read a tweet or I've seen something on Facebook or on Instagram, whatever it is, because we think we're going to be seen as pathetic. You know, people are going to be like, oh, get over it. Right. Mm. But at the same time, clearly this is making people angry. This is affecting people's days. And I can talk from a personal point of view when I say that, I have had lots and lots of experiences where I'll go onto social media five minutes before I'll be absolutely fine. Life's, you know, a breeze. It's, it's, you know, I've got a few problems here and there, but it's generally okay. And then I will see something and in an instant, I, it's like a Dementor has come along and sucked my soul. I am instantly saddened and my mood is down and I'm snappy and I'm irritable it, it, it just, it does happen and it does have an impact not only on our lives, but on everyone around us as well. I'm very aware of that. Yeah, I get that feeling as well sometimes. I just, and, and it kind of, it does suck you in. I mean, I, the, the endless scrolling, which in our case is swiping, if you're using a screen reader, um, you know, it's, it just never seems to end. And <laughs> my ability to get away from it sometimes is <laughs> just is one the, more. Yeah, it's almost just like I'm missing. And, and, and I see myself sometimes going to the top of my timeline and pulling to refresh and then pulling to refresh mm-hmm. and uh, no more tweets. And then, oh, there's more. And then I just continue reading. And that's me for another. Yeah. I actually, I, I one day, I'll never forget this. It was a Saturday morning. It was eight o'clock in the morning. And I had gotten up with the intention of I had a lot of things to do, uh, including going shopping and a lot of things, chores I needed to do. And I sat on Facebook and I'd gone on to Facebook. I call it, well, I'm told it's Facebook Watch, where basically when you go into a video, one video starts playing and then it'll scroll to another one and then to another one and then to another one. And you end up watching all this garbage. And it is all rubbish. I mean, it's all garbage. (laughs) And I'm sitting there watching all this stuff. And my wife comes in and she says, it's 10 10 o'clock now. Are you getting up? And I'm like, are you kidding? It's 10 o'clock and two hours have gone by. And what I did was I deleted the app there and then Mm. because I thought this is just destroying my life. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's an experience that most people have gone through at some point. And it is addictive, isn't it? Because I I know another study that I looked at, because I'm I'm all about psychology, Stephen. I just love, and this is part of why I loved watching the documentary Mm. anyway, because I was like, oh, I can learn about stuff. And, you know, addiction in itself, one of the easiest predictors of addiction is when you get unpredictable rewards. And that is what social media does as well, especially with the the likes and the shares and all of that kind of thing. We love things that give us that little hit of, oh, somebody likes me, somebody agrees with what I say. Uh And so it keeps us going back because we don't know when we're going to get that little ping, that little, you know, stroke of the ego. And so we just keep addictively going back, like when you're just eating, mindlessly eating a bag of crisps or whatever it might be, and you're just dipping in because it's just a mindless reward. You're not even thinking really consciously about what you're doing. You're just, you're just doing it. You may not even be hungry. No, no, of course. And you're just, it's just, it's just something that's quite nice. And so, yeah, we're hungry for that attention on social media. I'm going to sound like a really old guy when I say this, but I do fear for tomorrow's generation. I feel for today's generations, actually, because they are so hooked into this now. And it doesn't seem possible to detach from it anymore. Um, I mean, I I can do that. Funny enough, I'm still at the stage where I can leave my phone 
you know, somewhere else and oh. you know, forget about it. And the other day I did it. In fact, my wife and I did exactly the same thing. We're sitting watching TV. And I said to my wife, oh, no one's called me. Uh, not that I was expecting any calls, but, you know, normally <laughs> the phone beeps or makes a noise or something. And, and then I realized my phone had been upstairs for the whole night. And it didn't wow. really bother me too much. And I thought, well, that's a good sign. But I mean, that's an amazing sign. You should get some kind of reward, some kind of medallion for that, I think. Well, I, I'm all for that, yeah. I, I strongly <laughs> demand uh, uh, some kind of medallion. Um, certificate, yes, <laughs> at least. Certificate of my <laughs> ability to not be on social media for five minutes. But a lot of people can't do that. W- would you be able to do that, do you think? Do I have been known to leave my phone at home when I've gone out? When I take my lovely guide dog Nancy out, we go on walks sometimes, and I just think, do you know what? Do I need my phone? I think actually, I have to say that because I, it's harder for me to to scroll. It's not so accessible, um, and it takes me a little bit longer and things like that. I just think it's more trouble than it's worth, especially if it's a, like a sunny day and whatever, and there's glare and and there's things that I have to take into account because I can't see as well that I just think it's just going to be more of a faff than it's worth. I'll just look when I get home. Right, and, you've hit on something here because this yeah. is very interesting to me. And and you, you talk about being fascinated by psychology and it's, it's your thing. Yes. Um, what do you think about, because I, I thought about this ages ago, I was thinking, you know, people talk about screen time, you know, and, and there was a big push for a long time for uh, for companies like Apple and Google and all the rest to find a way to cut down on our screen time because the screen is addictive. But if you can't see the screen and you can't see the like, you know, the, the mm. bubbles pop up until you've got a like or whatever it is, um, does it give you the same hit? If, say, for example, a screen reader says one notification, is that the same as the visual interpretation? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that would be a good study. I, 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 yeah, I sort of feel like at least a very similar reaction because it's just that, like I said before, it's that reward of, of somebody is engaging with me. You know, as humans, we want that connection and that attention. You know, these are our fundamental needs. And to, to get that in any way... I think I I don't think you need to see it. I mean, I think you know we're we're both um, low vision, so the fact that we're both just as addicted as the rest of the world, I guess that Says just answers all. your question. <laughs> yeah, I would say. Yeah, it probably does. Um, <laughs> go, going back to the anger for a second, um, part of the issue I feel is, and this seems to be the case, and it's not. There's nothing unusual here about social media uh, in regards to other. Equivalence. I mean, you know, I won't go into specifics because, you know, I'll end up having a, a war with someone about a, a political movement that I'm really not interested in talking about. But <laughs> let's just say there have been times in the not too distant past where, you know, political conversations have been going on. And what's happened is people have retreated into echo chambers. The mm-hmm. People love to find people who agree with them. And that makes sense, mm-hmm. right? That's that's perfectly natural. Why wouldn't you want to be around somebody who agrees with you, right? As opposed I'm to, on the constant hunt for that, yeah, Stephen. Yeah, I'll never find it, if I'm honest. I don't think anyone will ever agree with me on anything. But <laughs> I, I do think that this is where social media comes into its own. And people are able to retreat into those echo chambers, and that can affect everything. It can be a political movement. I've talked about disability advocacy. I think there's a lot of that going on. Um, and that's where the groupthink mentality comes in that worries me a little bit because it's almost a case of we we they they present the idea that you speak as one or you speak as one person you speak as an individual mm. but actually you've got to fall in line. 
And that worries me because I've never been that person. <laughs> I'm not I'm not the kind of person who can easily just fall into line and fall behind a message. I don't like no. that. I like to question things. I like to know why things are happening or, you know, have a discussion about things. And this is where social media is hopeless because as soon as you open up a conversation, you get attacked. Mm-hmm. And it means that you yeah. think, well, this probably isn't the place to do it. Um, but it is, it's really interesting because the anger part, I think, is, you know, we, we talk about, well, I should say David Bedil in the documentary talks about identity. And he, he brought his daughter on in the documentary yes. to talk about her, um, her own problems. And without going into too much detail on that, she basically talked about how essentially assigning herself to a group on social media, seeking out other people who were in the same position she was in, was a negative. Mm. And mm. I thought, finally, somebody's saying this. Yes. This yeah, idea I... that if you assign a group, you find a group of people who are like-minded like you or, or who have a similar, in her case, maybe it's an eye condition or maybe mm. it's new to blindness or disabled you know, people find the groups, you think that's a good thing, but is it? Well, again, I think, yeah, it's the type of people who who are the people that you're stumbling across. And unfortunately, like we've said, probably the people that you're most likely to quickliest find are the people who might not be the best, the healthiest for you to engage with. And I guess that is the problem. I know that I have in the past, I have started to question, just as you said earlier, are all people in the disabled community outraged by everything all the time? Are they angry about everything? And of course, that's not true. Absolutely. But you, you know, it's very easy to fall into that trap when you're just surrounded by it all the time on social media. And that is all you see. And then when you start meeting people and talking about it like we are now, and you're sort of saying, oh, I can see both sides and, and all of that, you think, wow, there are people like me. That's exciting. So you're kind of meeting people who are like you in one way, but who are very unlike you in many other ways, maybe, or perhaps they're not, but they're just trying to play the system on social media. Who knows? And we do love to put people in boxes. I mean, it's a bit like, I think of it in the equivalence of if you go into a coffee shop and you ask, maybe it's the same coffee shop you go to every day and you get to know your barista, right? Mm. You get to know the person who's making the coffee for you every day, but you just assign their identity as the barista, the coffee maker. But you don't know what that person's background is, what their thoughts are on things. You might assume some of it, but really you're only interested in one thing and that's the coffee. Yeah. And that's the same thing. And it's the same thing on social media. We only get one strand of that person's personality. So you might end up in a war with someone on social media who actually you have far more in common with. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, if you if you met in real life, like you and I, if we had, let's say you and I had had a massive fallout in social media and then we met like this, we'd be like, oh, God, I didn't know. Fern's a really nice person. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't realise. Oh, I'd be so embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's just, that's kind of where it is. And I don't know how you solve this problem because social media is, and this is, the, maybe, maybe this is part of the solution, is trying to realise the technology is trying to overpower you. Mm. It's built to overpower you. It's built to take you this way. It's not about us. It's about it. It's trying mm. to do a job on us <laughs> rather than yeah. you know, we're trying to do a job on each other, you know? Yeah, and I think, again, that goes back to how are we going to use it, though? I mean, mm. yeah, it can encourage us 
to do certain things. But at the end of the day, we have to make the decision whether we're going to do them or not. You know, we have to decide, are we going to play into these systems? Um, you know, uh, that video that I mentioned earlier, where they talked about the study, the, the lady was saying, are we just going to give over the things that we believe to our core, the most emotional things in us, to these big tech companies who are just using them to try and make money? You know, like, like you say, they're setting us up to do these things, but the answer is still in our hands. That's what we have to cling on to. Are we going to play that game or are we just going to say, do you know what, the likes just aren't worth it to me? There's two rules I think you should live by, and I think you'll agree with this just by what you're saying. Okay. I, I think you'll agree with this. The first person to agree with you, Stephen. This, this will is be exciting. The, you'll be the first person ever. <laughs> this will be an amazing moment. Yeah. Um, personal responsibility. I think we all have personal responsibility, and we should hold yes. personal responsibility for our actions, for what we do, for what we say. I am continually amazed at people who post or have posted things on social media that have come back to haunt them, and they seem to be outraged that people have brought them up. Mm. You know, if it was a Nazi comment or something against women or, or black people, and those comments come up, my thought is, irrespective of whether that's 10 years old or not, why were you making that comment? <laughs> yeah. That's the yeah. first thing. So come on, hold some hold some responsibility for your actions. No matter who you are, no matter what age you are, you should know enough. I mean, I think we can maybe not rule out children, but I think we have to educate children to not be like mm -hmm. that. And I think that kids will make mistakes. But I think there comes a certain age where, we, you know, we, we know right from wrong, right? Yeah. Um, so that's one thing. And secondly, consideration. I think consideration for each other. I think, you know, have a conversation. Absolutely. Um, you know, have a debate, have, you know, engage in, in, in debate, but don't assume for people. Don't, don't assume that people are, are, you know, especially people who are usually having these arguments online, they're maybe not in the best place. Mm. And, you know, sometimes just open it. As, as I, had, I had a situation once on social where I had to take the social media thing offline. I knew the person and they got really wound up over something I said, which frankly was the most innocuous thing. You, I, I, honestly, I may have well said, you know, milk is lovely. And it would have been like World War III had broken out. And um, I actually contacted the person on their own. I contacted them, I called them. And we had a really interesting chat about stuff. Now, had I continued that in social, it would have been a war. Mm. Mm. And sometimes I think there's that, there's a sense sometimes of, People love to watch that. People love to contribute to that. People love to fuel it. So you get the people who'll, you know, happily chuck something in, and that happens in real life as well. But mm. it happens a lot on social. And I think just having a bit of consideration for people and knowing when to back out as well, just sometimes back off. Yes. If the conversation's getting too much, get out of it. Just don't engage yes. in it. Just yeah. stay silent. Um, yeah. Don't, don't feed the trolls, as they say. No. And I've definitely been in situations where I have had comments made about me and, and sort of attacking me in, in a way. And that is exactly what I did. I just thought there's no point in defending myself here. And then because it, it will, where will it lead? You know, it, they're not going to agree with me. Mm. And so we're just going to be butting heads and that'll be that. Well, this is a friendship forever, Fern. Um, I, I hope you'll come back on and talk oh. more because there is so much we could discuss, I'm sure. Um, I'd love to. I can't believe it's over already, Stephen. I know. Too quick, isn't it? Far too quick. Absolutely, but, yes. But honestly, I could talk for hours to you. This is very interesting to me. And um, yeah, it's been really fun having you on. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. Absolutely. And let's friend each other on social media for sure. Yeah, let's fight there.
<laughs> I look forward to it. <laughs> thanks, Phil. Thanks. Have, thanks for having me on. It's been great. And don't forget, you can join our conversation. Tell us what you think about the podcast. Tell us what you think of our topics here. You can email hello at blindguytalkstech.com or you can call and leave me a voicemail on 0204 571 3354. Just don't shout. Don't need to shout. Just talk to me. 0204 571 3354. I will catch you tomorrow for another Blind Guy Talks Tech.